Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, guys? It's your boy Drake here, and in just a few short moments, we will be dropping the first part of our multi-part sit-down with one Mr. Big Game, James Coleman. James took the time out of his day to sit down with Max and myself, and well, we'll start out as a little discussion about the state of the FS Union. It actually became a great conversation regarding you know his time actually at Florida State his time under Bobby Bowden, and just so much more when it comes to actually being a football player back in the day and also to covering it now as well as he is a media member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But folks, please, thank you guys so much for the love and support and making Locked on Simmons your first listen each and every single day. The full interview will be dropping later this week on, on YouTube, but for the, for a little bit of a teaser, here's part one of our seminal sit-down with one Mr. James Coleman. Max, Drake, James, take it away, guys. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I was going through my books today, um, and I found Coach Bowden's book, you know, about about faith and coaching. Did y'all have... You don't have to tell us the stories, but were there a lot of those sessions after he passed away, like calling teammates and just kind of sharing your your Coach Bowden stories and like going through all those memories? When he died, um, yeah, um, it was a surreal moment. Like you, um, you know. So when, so the funny is, it's not funny now, but it, it is funny actually. I almost died the week before he died, so I had COVID. And I had COVID bad. And it, it, what sucked was I do my annual book bag drive in the hood in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, one of these people I was giving stuff to, like, that's how people die. Like, like, like civil rights, I'm not comparing myself to MLK or Malcolm X or those guys, but they didn't die, like, from old age. They died because somebody that they were helping, like, killed them. Like, so my luck, I almost died giving book bags away and food to people. But I caught COVID. I get out. Um, I've been out of the hospital for less than a, actually less than a week. I think like three or four days in this. And, you know, I was getting the text messages, "Hey, prepare yourself." Yeah. Um, it's bad. Um, it's getting rough. And he, um, and, you know, so like you do that, and then you start talking. Then when it happened, I say it now. It hurt now, but there's no real good way to just say it. an icon died, or somebody that's close yeah. to you died, like. Like you know, get full transparency. Like right now, I know this will show later in the week. But my um, my my great uncle, my my, my grandmother's um, last living brother, mm-hmm. just passed, and we found out on freaking Facebook. Like that's not how I wanted to find out Uncle Harry died, and so we found out through you know Jim Henry broke it. But you know the family trusted Jim to tell the story, so Jim's really really good. I was mad at Jim, but like I was you know, but it had to be Jim when I think right. when I yeah. mature. Step back and maturity kicks in, but it's like a kid losing his father, and you found out that you lost your dad on Twitter at seven a.m. Like you roll over and you're kind of like wiping the stuff out your eyes, and we've all been accustomed to the first thing you do in a social media age is you check Facebook, check your Twitter, yeah. check your TikTok or whatever, and boom, like right there, Bowden dies. So I didn't want my teammates or people that I love that are part of the program to find out the same way I found out. So I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling Peter Warwick. I'm calling Snoop. I'm calling everybody. And, and then we're all sharing, you know, what he meant to us. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, it, it was, um, 
but we talked. It was a lot of great stories, and his funeral was uh, was amazing too. Uh, just to see all that, like all that seminal history, and um, all these people talking about um, this man, and uh, you know, one thing about men, and I'll say this to fans, and this is you know, I don't think anybody has ever had this take, but a, a lot of people only know one side of Bobby. And that's great that he was so great. But, like, obviously, you don't – I like to tell people that that all shucks thing, that ain't really Bobby. You don't mm-hmm. get to the position that he got to by being a pushover and not having teeth. So I always tell people there is some truth to what PK was saying. I don't necessarily know what happened. Nobody was in there. But there's a little, there's a, a little bit in there, and I believe Bobby was trying to do what was best. But, like – I've seen I, I've seen Coach Bowden show his teeth, and it's one of those things where it's like, yo, the old man, the old man bowed it, man. The old man is, is, yeah. is and then think about it. Mickey Andrews is like one of the toughest SOBs you'll ever meet in your life. Mickey Andrews ain't submitting to no pushover, right? Like Mickey got to know, like they got um, Chuck Amato the chest, like these guys, like Bobby had to, like they had to know that Bobby was a badass. I just yep. think people need to realize that he, he's all of that. Um, me, me too. Like everything you ever heard about me, all that shit true. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like, good, the good and the bad, and it just depends on if a person tells you I don't like big game and he did whoop whoop whoop. If you come to me and say, "Hey man, have you heard of such a like?" If you, hey man, Max, Max was saying like, "Dog, you was mean and y'all got something." I said, well, "Was Max my competitor?" Yeah, right. If Max was my competitor, I'm a terrible enemy. I'm a phenomenal friend. Oh, but you don't want to be on. If you're on the other side of me, I am trying to kill you in in the most unceremonious way ever. It's just it's how I'm wired. But, you know, and a lot of people found that out the hard way on the. Uh, well, people, you know, people forget, and I mean this. Let me let me finish the statement I'm going to make because I mean this in the best way possible. Like, you know people forget reading your bio and like, they know now James Coleman, this great fullback, this like iconic figure from the two thousands. Like you weren't the five star coming out of high school. Like you weren't the guy, like you worked for it, right? You had to do it the hard way. I mean, I think in a lot of ways I'd probably compare who like your rise almost to a Trayshawn Ward, right? Like you came from a small lot of school, Florida, Florida high. You, you came up, you walked on, you decided to do it. You ended up becoming who you were. Um, so I actually have one funny question. Now I want to get to the serious question. A few people I've talked to that, that knew Bobby said that uh, you knew you'd made it when he st- when he knew your name and stopped just calling oh. him buddy. He called everyone buddy. So when was that moment? That he, when when did you become when did you become James or when did you become Coleman? Like was there a moment I, or I was never Coleman. I was okay. never Coleman, but I knew he knew exactly who I was this moment. So Thursday practice, uh, Bobby uh, will leave early because he had to go do the call-in show. And yep. So what I've learned is the people who are the most successful in life, especially from their generations, are creatures of habits. They mm-hmm. do literally the same exact thing over and over again, the same way. There's really no change in them. So Bobby literally every – so I'm going to go – I'm going to tell you a lot of things, and, and I'm going to tie it in. Take your time, so man. every Saturday – every Friday, excuse me, was our travel day. And whether we were in Thomasville or we were on the road, he would literally pull out this little sheet of paper. It wasn't like big. It was like a little small sheet, of, like a little, little, little notebooks like yeah. that he wrote his thoughts down. 
Like when there's like but a when little, I tell like you like reporter flip pad kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the reporter flip pads, exactly. But when I tell you, it was legitimately the same exact speech that I heard four years. And he'll come up and be like, wide receivers, you got to catch the ball. Running backs, you got to run. Quarterbacks, if you throw the ball to the other team, son, that's the interception. Now, 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 offensive line, what you got to do is you got to go over there and you got to block those defensive linemen. Now. now, defense, listen, if the other team doesn't score, we win. Like, Edward, I, I kid you not, somehow he found a way to make that 30 minutes. Every Friday, every halftime, if we were up, he'd come in the locker room, his breakdown was, now defense, it, we could be a half a point, a decimal. I know that's impossible, but I'm right, just right. giving you the exaggeration. Yeah. If we were up, he came in and said, now defense, if the other team don't score, we win. And he walks off. And you're sitting here like, like my first year, I'm like, Man, I'm thinking I'm playing for this legend, this guru, this man over here giving us the simplest I've ever heard in my life. But then as I got older and I matured, I realized that's how genius him, the guys like John Madden, a lot of those guys are. See, what we found is the way to show that you have knowledge is to be be pretentious and try to lord it over and use language that nobody really understands. When the reality of the situation is, if you can't, I've learned, I've heard this. If you can't teach it to a fourth grader, you don't really understand it. And that's what Bobby did. So how did I know Bobby? So every Thursday, Bobby had his Bobby Biden call-in show. For every Thursday, he would come in and do this. He would call us in before our coaches got us and we did our conditioning or whatever we needed to do. He'd be like, all right, man, you know, I got to go do that TV show. I'm see y'all later. So I'm literally every for like my junior and senior year. I'm like I'm on a knee in the front, and I'm like, he's like, he's like, all right, man. I'm like, you gotta go do that TV show, huh? And he was just like, and so he'll get to the point where he'll be like, I right, call it, and I'm like, I go do that TV show, huh, coach? And then I wasn't Coleman, I was Coley. Okay. And okay. that's what he would say, and um, you know, and God gives the same. Thing against Florida, um, 03. Um, I played with, I had a broken hand. I knew offseason I was going to have to have shoulder, uh, my, my, my right shoulder repaired and my left. I never got my left, but we got the right uh, shoulder repaired. So I already, I was bang, banged up and still had to play. Yeah. Um, but I played with a with a broken hand the whole game. And I, and I think I missed the block on Channing Crowder. And um, Billy Sexton cuts me out really bad. Like, I love Billy Sexton. That was my position coach. And I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a hand. And then they stepped on my other hand. So my right hand is broken, which I'm right-handed. My left hand is now swollen three times the size of what it normally is because I had somebody step on it with the, their full weight on my cleat. And I don't have shoulders. And I'm playing fullback a position where you literally have to go run into people. And I don't know how I did it, but whatever. I was stupid, young and stupid. But um, your arms, Bobby comes over and t- taps me on my shoulder and says, you know, it's okay, Coleman. Now, listen, son, this is what I want you to do, right, Coley? Coley, I need you to go find one of those guys with that blue shirt. And I need you to run full speed. Just pick one. Just run full speed into the guy with the blue shirt. And son, that's a block. If you do that, you're going to be okay, all right? And I'm like, thank you. Thank, thanks, Coach. Like, I, I never – that thought never <laughs> occurred to, to go run full speed into the guy. But, um, and what made, me, what made it real was four years after my last game, they played here in the Gator Bowl. Jack, I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Yep. And, um, you know, one of the cool things is you get to go chance to go see the guys practice. Mm-hmm. And, 
And you know all of those guys. Dexter Carter was there. Billy was no longer there, but I knew some of the guys who were coaching. And when I walked up to Coach Bowden, um, Coach Bowden said, Coley, is that you? Boy, I ain't seen you in so long. What are you doing here? You don't live in jail. You're from Tallahassee, ain't you? How's your sister doing? She's still doing track? That's good, boy. I sure could use another one of you, man. Ah, boy. Okay. You, got, you, you got any more eligibility? And then another guy, Bradley um, Jennings, who everybody, most Florida State fans know him yep. more recently because of his sons. And this is how, this is what, I didn't play with Bradley. Bradley was right before I got there. But this is how I knew Bradley was that guy. You don't pick your nicknames. They give you a nickname. Mm-hmm. Not the coaches, the player. Bradley's nickname was Monster. And Bobby said, Monster? Oh, boy, I ain't seen you in so long. And I was that made me, I was like, damn. Bradley, you must have you been that guy. Bobby calling you monster and not Bradley use that guy. But, yeah, because everybody else is boy. Like, you have to think, how many black number 36s has Coach Bowden seen over the course of this time? I wasn't. Like, you, you got to be some kind of arrogant to just believe he's going to know who you are. But he did know who his playmakers were. And, uh, yep. and it was really – I ain't going to lie, man. My confidence was my, – my head already big. It had to grow three <laughs> sizes when Coach Bowden recognized me four years later. I was going to say, spe- very speaking nice of that, we, we found uh, – I was looking up your stats. and uh, Oh, wait, that's a source. And, you know, most – most guys, I think as we get older, you know, the hairline starts to, to back up a bit. But I don't know if you knew this picture was on the internet, but just, just while we're sharing memories. Goldfan.org uh, does have big game James <laughs> before the hair. Let so, me tell you this. So Micah Pittman's cup. I'm sorry. We don't have to keep that in if you don't want to. I just be funny to No, nah, that's fine because people look me <laughs> up me and, and kids that I've trained or influenced. They're like, Coach, you didn't tell us you didn't have hair. And I'm like, well, no, that's not quite true. I had hair three minutes before that picture was taken. I had a huge afro. And what happens is, you know, let me try to figure out the best way to call it. There's, I don't believe in – we didn't have hazing. Hazing was illegal and, and highly frowned upon. What we had was program and tradition building. So one of the traditions was – Bobby was an old school guy, believed in the clean cut look. And so you had to come in and you had to have a clean cut when you came in as a freshman. So what we did was the older guys gave us an opportunity to make sure that our hair was um, was 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 properly placed. Um, unfortunately, they cut designs and carved things into your head. So it's not a clean balding. So what happened Before was, that was my clean. afro... If you can see it, my hands here was about out to here when I came in. They cut me a mohawk to about right here, directly down my head. And it was a thin mohawk, about that thin. So it didn't have enough structure to stay, stay up. up. So it, it, I looked like a captured dolphin. Like, have you ever seen, like, the dolphins or the whales and their, their dorsal fin is yeah. over? yeah. That's what I looked like, and they snatched the damn clippers from us. So, like, we had to go scour and find clippers, and I didn't have the worst. Thomas Clayton, who a lot of Florida State fans wouldn't know, he because he again, that's why I laugh about the transfer portal stuff because it's been happening since forever. It happened with us, but Thomas ended up transferring out, going to Kansas State. I think he got drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. He was a four-star running back. He just mm-hmm. couldn't beat out Leon or Lorenzo, and um. He had 
like he really took care of his hair. Like he processed it. Like he had like an S curl, and he didn't want to shave his head. And he tried to fight God rest the dead Todd Williams with the Clippers. And oof, let me tell you, you know they talk about Indian scalping people. I saw a lot. I saw I saw an eighteen year old boy get scalped that day. It, it, and I learned my lesson. I'm not. I'm from a tough neighborhood. I've never been afraid to back down from a fight. But I also understand when when to hold them and when to fold them. You can't fight everybody, man. You got like it, it's just here. It, it, trust yeah, me, yeah, I got yeah, dreads yeah. that come down to my ass. It comes. It, it grows back. It grows back. There, there's a big difference between a high school strong and college national champion contender weight program strong. Um, right, that's that's weight right there. I took a friendly chest punch, like, like very just, you know, like this much movement from, uh, Cam Irving. And I thought I was going to die. So that's, I mean, it was, it was literally just say, Hey Max, how's it going? Like just gave me a little, Hey, how's it going? You know, like he (laughs) probably, probably didn't even realize he'd moved his arm. And I thought I, I was my my chest had caved in. Um, I, 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 I got envy. I, I really don't understand the boldness of some fans when they like go over the top, like it, you suck. I get those things that comes with the territory. Sure. When they really challenge former athletes, like in their prime, because you know, yeah, some of these guys, like, like I like the videos of all the guys that like thought it was a good idea to like put their hands up to run our tests, and you're like, that's a yeah, like yeah, that's eight the perfect example. Basketball too. player in the National Basketball Association. What are you so, about to do? So yeah, when you see I mean, when you see drunk fifty year old dudes who like like. Like you're saying, it's when they say, oh, you suck because you're mad you lost the game. When you see those guys, though, that take that next level, it's like, dude, do you actually think if you hop that railing, this would end well for you? Like, how do you see, like, in your mind, who do you think you you are and who do you think you're? You got to be logical. To play at a high level, even your Myron roles, mm-hmm. we're, we're slightly touched. And I'm willing to admit that now in my life. But to do that, you, you kind of, again, like, I, I just, I play with a broken, like, I, now, like, I, if I did, I would never do that. But, like, then I played with a broken hand, like, and willingly went and ran into other people. Like, you got to yeah, be. you have to have a little bit of a screw loose. Yeah, it's got to be something wrong with you. It's got to be always, something with you because that's just a lot to ask of somebody. So especially who, was the, who, who was the freaky, like, so you've been on the field. And, again, folks, for, for those of y'all, you know, who don't know, big, big game James Coleman was our fullback from 02 to 04. Or one to oh two to four, right? Or were you oh, there five. Oh, oh five. The oh six orange bowl was my last. Year. So, and and I I do want to get to this at one point. You know, it, some people may still refer to that as the start of the lost decade, but now we've seen what a real lost decade looks mm-hmm. like. So these were, you were on the field with five star recruits, national championship contenders, guys that were dudes. Who was the freakiest athlete you ever saw in person? Or, or I mean, it could be someone that you saw every day on the team, but. But like, who was the guy that just made you go, "Yeah, that guy's that guy's built different"? Um, well, I'll give two things. Well, three. One would be a teammate, and I did have some really, really good teammates. So, Leon Washington just was phenomenal. I think um, mm-hmm. he's a great that won't get his due because of how good the backfield was. He, he was after Greg Jones and things like that. Right. And then, um, like what we did in '04, where he ran for like nine ninety six and Lorenzo ran mm-hmm. for like 925 like we almost had two excuse me 1000 yard backs and I think I had I might have been, I was over a buck that year on the ground as well so we're close to it it was just like it was a pretty pretty decent group but like you um Anquan Bolden 
my freshman year was probably one of the freakiest athletes I've ever seen. Dude, uh, his, his combination of explosiveness, his aggressiveness, how strong he was, how good his hands were. Um, he was yeah. just, a, he was a freak. So know? I'm glad you brought him up because I looked him up the other day just because I like to read about, you know, former players. And, and I'll admit, so I was born in 92, right? So he was being recruited when I was six, five, six years old. Right. I didn't realize he'd been a quarterback at Pahokee. And he was Mr. He, Florida in basketball yeah. and football. Dude, he accounted for 56 touchdowns his senior year. 56 touchdowns like that. He threw for 26, ran for 20. And you got to think if he's scoring that many touchdowns, he probably didn't play most fourth quarters. Like, so he's scoring four and a half touchdowns a game playing probably three quarters like that. Yeah, that's, that's something else. And that actually brings me, I'm glad that we got on this train. Cause I had a, an interesting question for you that I want your take on you. I think, played football in the right era for who you were right when the fullback was still prominent and Mm -hmm. we have a good friend daniel danny wheeler who does our gambling episode also a former collegiate fullback and he eulogizes the fullback position all the time yep but who do you think you played with that maybe played in the wrong era and what i mean is like i always wonder what could michael vick have done in a spread offense right with lorenzo booker lorenzo booker hands down lorenzo booker and then peter work both played in the wrong year. Uh, Pete Interesting. was a guy that they tried to make a number one wide receiver, which he was at, at college. But And this isn't disrespectful. Pete's a really good friend of mine. Sure, yeah, Pete yeah. will tell you the same thing. But Pete's not a dig. He's not a post. He's not a takeoff mm-hmm. guy. He's not. That's You want him to run a slant, make somebody miss, and then accelerate. In today's game, he would be perf, a perfect slot receiver. And Lorenzo was, was – we used him wrong. USC showed us how to use Lorenzo mm-hmm. with what they did with Reggie Bush. And again, again, it's a it's a slot. He he was a guy that you want in space, not necessarily running in between the tackles, even though he could do that. Um, I think Nick Maddox is another guy who had a similar build too as well that was there. So um I think those guys were um if they played now, we would like yeah. they would be exponentially like uh, more valuable in breaking the bank. Um, with their with their skill set, um, but my bad. To go back to what you were asking me about before, though, um, the University of Miami has the, the other two that I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Um, one of them was Sean Taylor. Um, oh gosh, yeah. I never really had to hit Sean Taylor, but just watching what he was able to do, he was a guy that we always had to account for, and a guy that I had to go blow for blow. And then I got a chance to do some stuff with him in New Orleans would be John Vilma. And it was more so I went from watching John Vilma almost kill people, kill two men back-to-back plays against Nebraska at the national championship to going up against him at 17, well, just turning 18 years old, 19. But he was so damn fast. Like, it's literally like you're – I know if he runs full speed. Yeah. On, like, we ran a sweep one time with Greg. And he was literally at my spot before I could get there. Like, and – that's it's just point. like nothing. There was nothing I could do physically with that. Now, ISO, it was some tools that we had. Like, so I cut block them the first. I always cut I was block. I say the there, there, there's, there's certain things that are uh, penalties for blockers now that maybe weren't, maybe weren't right. illegal back then. So, like, Vilma ran a 4 3. I don't run a 4 3. I've never <laughs> will, never thought about running a 4 3. I know what it looks like. I could train you to run a 4 3, but it's not in my physical. I'm a Hemi. Well, you can I'm run 4-3, you're just not going to make it all 40 yards. You'll, you'll right, run for right, 4.3 right. seconds. 
Yeah, I can run for 4.3 seconds, but I ain't going to be done for 40. <laughs> it's not going to be a 40. <laughs> so my philosophy was if you run that 4-3 into this hole, I'm going to cut you. You're yeah. going to be end over end, like your head's going to hit the ground before you get it. Now you run that 4-7 in there, 4-7, 220, 250, I like my odds. <laughs> so like it was one of those things, but just how him and DJ – and oh, my bad, DJ Williams. DJ Williams is – the only person the best me on live TV. And I was whooping his ass in 03. Like, I mean, I was getting it. Mm-hmm. I was getting it in, feeling myself. Little 19 year old with milk on his tongue still. And on the goal line, I went in with a little bit too much confidence and did not come with my mind right. And I ran full speed to engage him. And when I tell you, he didn't run me over, he literally dipped and lifted me and I flew back five yards and I landed in the same position that I engaged him. And I looked at my hands like my hands betrayed me. Like I, I it was something like and, little giants. Like he's looking at his yeah, hands yeah. like why? And like Billy Sexton's running on the field. Like I on swear Greg gets the ball and he's like, wait a minute. I never seen a fullback in flight. And he's like looking at me, <laughs> then he gets tackled and Billy's like rah, 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 rah. he's cussing me. I'm like, what you want me to do? Man, I'm 19 years old. Man, that's a grown ass man out there. And I got, it's just like, I, I went from being Call super the NCAA, confident. Tell him this three year bullshit needs to go. Send him to the NFL. Yeah. Right. So it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, those guys were, those guys were, those Miami teams were unreal, man. Like, I, I like to be real with you, like, people say what they want to say about the last decade, but I played against 13 first rounders on defense against the University yep. of Miami. That's not including the offensive guys. It's not like your, your, um, your Andre Johnsons of the world, your your other your Eric Winston's, your your guys, and that's not even like the second or third. Was this were there too? So like here's what, here's what, what pisses me off about the lost decade thing, and I, look, I, we all talk about it. I I will say this until the day I die. People have heard it on this program. Chris Ricks is one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, he was he was the first quarterback I remember having the poster on my wall. Like, I mean, he he got there when I was nine, right? Like that. My dad, do you remember this? Like. Y'all used to have that spring. It was like the last spring practice. There'd be like a big cookout or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, had yeah like, steaks and all that stuff. Man. Yeah, so yeah, my, my dad used to volunteer and do the grilling there. So then we got to go there, which was pretty cool. And like he was the first FSU quarterback I'd ever met, you know, and I remember that. So people forget like Chris Ricks is a grand total of three feet of field goals from being at least two and three against Miami. Possibly, you know, and then he's like two more drop balls from being four and one. So like, like the O2 game I was talking about before we recorded – that was a 27-28 game that, you know, it, him driving us from the 46 into field goal range is the only reason, you know, we had the opportunity. To and that's on like, Jeff Bowden. And I love Jeff Bowden, but, like, I think Jeff Bowden is a great guy, but we just didn't have – he wasn't a good offensive coordinator. And, um, yeah. you know, we were in a situation where Greg Jones ran for 200 yards in the first half. We were up. Yeah. You don't prove your point against Miami. Like, right. you take your ball and you go home. And that's what we should have done, and we didn't. And they came – and those – so I was one and four against Miami, mm-hmm. and we lost all those games by less than one score um, yep. each time. Most of them by a field goal, like you said. Um, it was just it, it was just very competitive, um, really really good teams, um, very good athletes. Neither team the greatest coached um, in, schematically, offensively, but defensively, you had mm-hmm. greats. You had um, Randy Shannon in his prime. You had uh, Mickey Andrews in his prime. Like you had guys that were guys that are iconic. Like Honest to God's truth, it's very weird and difficult for me to see Randy Shannon at Florida State. 
Um, yeah. And I have tremendous respect for Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon came on my high school campus. But Florida High was on FSU's campus, decked out in orange and green to come in and lie to me. Like he lied, and I say a lie. All coaches lie, but he said I reminded him of John Vilma, and I'm like, no, I mean, no, it's no, not John Vilma. Uh, Ray Lewis at that time. Ray Lewis was like my favorite linebacker, and I'm like, you're, I like, that's a great line. I'm going to take this, but I know you're not. <laughs> I just had one last football one. In no way saying anything bad about your 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 brothers and you know your teammates because like it wasn't the players, but we think about the lost decade and kind of. It just compared to the '90s, it started to go downhill. It, like looking back with with as as a more mature adult who's coached kids, who has children, like were there any signs while you were there that like, hey, maybe maybe there's cracks in the foundation, or or was it kind of as like dramatic of a flip as it seemed to the fans? Like, it doesn't have to be bad. I just I, as a fan, I've never really understood like when the turn happen. I don't know. It, it's it's real easy. It's like this. Um... Well, one, um, the only the only thing only kryptonite for Mickey Andrews was the spread offense. Okay. So he 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 did not like the four the four three hybrid um, or the Tampa two the Tampa two defense, which Mickey basically um, invented, which the Buccaneers ran when they won their Super Bowl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with the with the middle linebacker that basically dropped into a, a, a third to cover the, the middle right. third of the field. Um, did not. It didn't go for the spread, especially when you had a 235, 245-pound middle linebacker that has to guard guys that are shifty in space. Like in the way in the, in the spread, isn't it, like they're adapting it to NFL principles, but it's hard. Like, like for people who've never paid attention, I want you to really look at the look at the college game, look at the NFL game, and, and the differences is the hash marks. The hash mm-hmm. marks are way way wider in college, so you actually can't right. spread somebody out. Is depicted upon where the ball is placed. In the NFL, the hash marks are so close, and that's where you have to line things up with the ball. It doesn't really matter. You can't really spread guys out yep. because everything is dictated based upon the hash marks. So I think that's really where Mickey kind of like took a dive. Not, not dive. And then on top of that, they were still pretty good. But what Bobby did was what I would do in the same situation as a father. Now, I don't appreciate mm-hmm. it as a player per se, but I appreciate it as a we're, my, when I came in, our class was the number one class in the nation. I think the year before that, they were number one. I think three, four. Like Bobby told us on our freshman intake that we were going to probably play for three national championships, and you know, and, and you know, go on to make you have every opportunity to make money. So that was his mindset. So like, you got the talent, you've got a son who's been here for a while. You place him in that situation. All we got to do is play for one national championship, and now Jeff Bowden is the hottest coaching right so you're putting your son in a position to become a head coach and it just didn't work out for us like you know again we ran into the greatest collection of talent that miami's ever had we um like and and i'm gonna go into this because i I want everybody to understand the position that i take and i know a lot of there's a lot of people want to slap but I, i won't but there's a lot of people who take things that i say out of context and when I say the standard is the standard, which is what Mike Norvell says, it's based upon what was there. Nobody let us off for having Jeff Bowden when I was there. They expected us to win. The former players expected us to win, and the fans expected us to win. And the fans were really, really hard. Like, you know, I won't say names, but like I was telling somebody today, I saw a guy get hit in the back of the head with an orange after we lost to Miami. Like, people can talk about, oh, they talk mean to me on Twitter. 
you ain't never like we had we had to go to class yeah during all of this time so like you know mean words don't mean nothing to me but um it's why, it's why sorry to interrupt but it's why i will always boo the refs on a bad call and i encourage all of you to do the same because right. in all seriousness like it's hard to have 80,000 people expressing their disapproval for you. I don't care how tough you are. Especially like, when you're that young. It's got to suck 18, being right. the field. You got to learn how to deal with it. But, like, it's, right. a, it's, 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 it's it comes with it. When we won, it was phenomenal. It was a great time to be in Tallahassee, and we just lost some games. But, like, when we lost to North Carolina State, um, I think we only lost to them my freshman year, but they lost to them the year before that. Let's think about who that was on that North Carolina State team. Philip Rivers, T.A. McClendon, who if you don't know who T.A. McClendon is, look him up. He was one of the guys that was about to challenge the, NCAA, the, um, the NFL rule about leaving early. He was a phenomenal running okay. back at, at NC State. Um, I can't remember. Jericho Cotri, who played for the Jets at wide receiver. Mario Williams, Manny Lawson, Tank. I forgot Tank. They basically had four first-round draft picks on the D-line. We played against the greatest North Carolina State team in the history of North Carolina State, and it was battles. These guys are losing to North Carolina, just regular ass North Carolina State. You see what I'm saying? Like, so that's the difference. Right. When we lost to Maryland, we lost to Sean Merriman's Maryland. We lost the games we lost. They have iconic players that will probably go into the College Football Hall of Fame, or they had great pro careers. And if we were held to a standard because we were Florida State, and that's why we mm -hmm. went to Florida State. I didn't. If I wanted to, if I wanted to just have fun and play football, I would have won the FAMU. And there's no disrespect to FAMU. I won the right. FAMU, join the frat, enjoy the college experience. I went to Florida State where I didn't get done with done with my commitments until 9 p.m. every night. I still had a ball. Don't know how. Don't know how I had time. But you know, it's just it is what it is. It's it's what you sign up for. Like what? Like why? I went to. Like, and you go because you know the talent's going to be. You know you're going to play against talent. You know you're going to practice against talent. Week in and week out. And you also know that you're going to be held to the standard of the people who were there before you. No matter what position you play, do you know how difficult it is to be considered top 10 at any position at Florida State? Top 10 yeah. fullbacks? It's a who's who of fullbacks. Top 10 wide receivers. Top 10 quarterbacks. Like, our worst quarterbacks are guys like like you would consider like Danny Cannell, Brad Johnson. These guys who all went to the NFL and had pretty damn good, pretty decent careers. Right. Like, had, you know, like played years. It, it's just... Like, like, like Corey Fuller's phenomenal um, hire for Florida State, but how many fans really remember Corey? Like, Corey Fuller came on me and Freddie Stevenson's podcast and said, nobody really remembers me from Florida I State. They remember me for playing 10 years in the NFL. He's not even top 10 corner in Florida State history and played 10 years in the league. Yep. Like, that's what that, – like, that's why I don't understand. Like, it's a, well, the standard ain't got nothing to do with who's the coach. The standard has everything to do with the people who bled sweat on that field, who came before you and made you want to come to Florida State. Even during the lost decade, we had cats. The lost decade would blow these teams out, and it's not because of talent. I told uh, when um, I think it was Taggart's first year, Ernie Sims had a football camp in Tallahassee, and I, I took my son to it, and I went to work. I seen um, Amari Gaynor, Jaden Woodby, and a couple other guys, and I told them, in, in my era, we would we would boat race you guys. It is not because we're more talented. It has nothing to do with talent. You guys are way more talented than us. We just were more mentally mentally developed. We really like like we really was trying to get my, like we was trying to really change situations, man. Like the way I grew up, and my mother was phenomenal in what she what she was able to do. My grandmother was phenomenal in the fact that she was able to support what we did. So I didn't have it as hard as everybody else in my neighborhood. But I lived in the projects. I lived in the hood. I grew up in the hood. 
And I remember not there was times when we didn't have meat to eat, let alone like you know bad meat. We just didn't have meat. I remember walking up the street to go ask for some bread and some peanut butter for my bet for my for my best friend's family so that we can get through until my mom got paid. It's like I wasn't going back <laughs> when I went to Florida State. Like that's what you like when I rolled out of my bed. My part of my scholarship check went to my mother to pay bills. Like I, I had a kid. I was coming out there and I was trying to harm you because that's the only way that I knew to change my my family situation was to get this damn degree and to run through your face mask so that somebody would pay me money to go play on Sundays or I could better my situation because of the way that I played the game and people will remember it. And I, I'm eat, I'm still eating to this day off of that stuff. So like I, I don't know if these guys have that sense of urgency. Or what happened i can't judge him i just don't see it what's up everyone drake here thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode with our seminal sit down with the one and only mr big game james coleman now please tune in tomorrow for part two of our multi-part series with mr coleman and we'll talk more about seminal's football his time there and also where he sees the introduction of the entire fsu football program now with that being said thank you all so much for making lockdown seminals your first listen each and every single day And we will see you all next time on Locked on Seminoles. As always, take care, everybody.